quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, So There I Was. It's how all great aviation tales begin. This is episode 64. We want to welcome a new Patreon pilot this week, Bill Double L. Wilson. Thank you, Bill, yes. for stepping up to help keep those engines running. Thanks, Double L. We appreciate your Patreonage. Exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, one of the advantages over there on Patreon is Chuck Thompson, a listener, sent us an interview that he did with Punchy, Brian Shule, who recently passed away, our SR-71 pilot. And he talks about how he got the call sign Punchy, which we did not actually cover in our show. But if you either donate $5 or subscribe, it's included with your subscription over on Patreon. And we also try to give you an early heads up when we know we're going to record so that you are the first to know and you can watch the live recordings on Rumble and YouTube and Facebook. And we have a merch store. Merch store? Yeah. What's that? Well, it's a, it's a spot where you can get all your So There I Was merch, including a bikini. Yeah. <laughs> on time, on target. No. So there I was. <laughs> yeah. And hats and T-shirts and drinking glasses. Uh, not that any of us drink here. At, so there I was. But if we did, we'd have cool graphics on our drinking glasses. Absolutely. <laughs> What do you think someone should do if we mention? I've heard that occasionally we'll use an acronym in this show. We have a glossary. People may not be. Familiar. We have a glossary that explains acronyms. And if you hear an acronym that we haven't explained, please reach out to us. You can catch yeah. us at our emails, fig at so there I was dot us or repeat at so there I was dot us and say, hey, you skipped an acronym. What what the hell does this mean? We'll take care of that for you. Right, and especially if you've got a helicopter question. Right to sticks at so there I was dot us. He loves talking about those whirling death traps. I don't know. <laughs> and lastly, hey, could you rate us on Apple Podcasts? Give us five stars and write us a nice review, please. If you've got a cruddy review, send that over to someone else that uh, you don't like. <laughs> yeah, and share the show. Share the show to your friends. Absolutely, it isn't that hard. If you, especially if you have a Facebook page. Share our links, please, on your Facebook page so other folks can see the fun stories that you're listening to on this show. And one final bit of business before we get to the show this week. We have exciting news for this week's episode of the So There I Was podcast. First, we have a promo swap with the Hard Landings podcast, and our sponsor is none other than HelloFresh. Head over to HelloFresh.com slash So There I Was 50 and use code. So there I was, 50, for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Stay tuned because we'll be talking about this amazing offer in more detail during the show. Fig, I don't know about you. This is one of my favorites this week with one eye. Uh, so yeah, entitled, You're Gonna Have to Talk Me Out. And holy cow, what a story. This is right up there with uh, Royce Williams, who shot down four MiGs. The, the act of heroism, uh, in, in my humble opinion, he should have gotten a Medal of Honor for this. And so should his crew. Speaking of humble, this man is so humble. And he refuses to be acknowledged as a hero. But uh, after you hear this story, you come to your own conclusion. But mine is, he is a hero. And then some, hands down. And the other interesting thing is he won't take credit for it by himself. He said, I didn't do it by myself. And that's true. He couldn't have done it by himself. 
Uh, everyone would have been dead if he, if he'd not had the teamwork of the Marines around him. But once again, we learn the brotherhood of the Marines, right? That we take care of each other and don't let the other guy down. His story is a spectacular, really a spectacular life story, an incredible flying career in the Marine Corps. And, uh, and then even after, uh, especially when you learn why it's just mesmerizing right. and, and also inspiring. And considering that from high school, his path was set to go to seminary and be a Catholic priest, it's even more amazing. <laughs> That's a good story, so, too. You're going to enjoy well, it. I thought, oh, he's not going there. He's not no. going there. He just went there. <laughs> well, let's get out of the way and let, uh, let's see. Can I say uh, the one-eyed ugly angel tell his story? Or the one-eyed ugly angel or the other title of honor he calls it? it was the one-eyed ugly bastard. And he considers them both titles? Uh, both titles of uh, well, what's the term I'm looking for? An honor. Yeah, both. Bo- okay. e- either title is an honor, not derogatory uh, in any way. Don't let go of the collective. Don't let go. In the world's smallest cockpit, on the tanker, through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. Well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So there I was. That's how all great aviation tales begin. Repeat here, everybody. Welcome today. Uh, we have a special guest with us, uh, but this is Repeat coming to you from New Hampshire. Maybe. By the time you listen to this, not sure. My co-host, Fig, I think he's home in Kearney, I'm Missouri. I'm in Kearney, Missouri, just outside Kansas City, there, yes, sir. There you are. And we have with us from a week before last, Duber. He's also joining us today because he's got a special relationship with our guests. So welcome back, Duber, welcome as well. Welcome back, Duber! Yeah. But first of all, I'd like to go here. And with apologies to our guest up front, I'm not trying to embarrass you, sir, but I want people to understand before we even get started just who is in our presence. Captain Ben Cassio was awarded the Silver Star for his gallantry in action in April of 1968. To all who shall see these presents, greetings. This is to certify that the Commandant of the Marine Corps has authorized Captain Ben Cassio to receive the Silver Star, for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life while serving as a helicopter pilot attached to Marine Helicopter Squadron 362 in action against armed enemy forces in the Republic of Vietnam. Alerted that elements of the 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, had been in contact with a reinforced battalion of enemy soldiers the night of April 30, 1968. Captain Cassio led an emergency flight of two helicopters to evacuate five severely wounded Marines. Ordering his wingman to circle overhead, Captain Cassio encountered intense small arms fire as he approached the hastily prepared landing zone. Just prior to settling the aircraft on the ground, his co-pilot was shot and fell forward, retained by the shoulder harness. As crew repelled the enemy with machine gun fire and infantry men assisted, the wounded Marines, now totaling eight, aboard the helicopter. Shrapnel struck Captain Cassio in his face, completely blinding him. Captain Cassio calmly explained the situation to his crew and used his survival knife to break the glass faces of the flight instruments, thus enabling himself to determine the aircraft's performance by feeling the needles of the gauges with his fingertips. 
Guiding the helicopter was superb airmanship, and according to the instructions radioed to him by his crew chief and wingman, Captain Cassio safely delivered his cargo to a medical station without further loss of life. His courageous actions reflect great credit upon himself and uphold the highest traditions of the United States Marine Corps. Well, what can I say? Hoorah, Marine. Welcome. Hoorah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, we are truly honored that you're here today. But you didn't start off uh, as an officer and a helicopter pilot in the Marine Corps. No, I, I, I didn't. Uh, actually, <laughs> there's, there's quite a long story before I even entered the Marine Corps that you might sure. be interested in. Um, uh, I, 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 uh, my parents both came from Italy, um, and my father was uh, when he came here when he was five and when he was and by the time he got out of the ninth grade he had to he had to support his family so he only got past the ninth grade but he was always my my hero and my mentor because he was always such a hard worker and it'll come into the story later on but uh, my family relationship and and uh, uh, really had a lot to do with the person I became. And when I was growing up, we were very involved in a church. Okay. And it was anticipated that I would go into the priesthood. And um, after after high school, I, I went into the seminary at uh, Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Okay. However, before I went into the seminary, seminary, during my summers in high school, my next-door neighbor was a steamship captain for MSTS, Military Sea Transport okay. Service. And uh, <clears throat> he got me a job on the uh, steamships uh, and as a deckhand. And I was traveling for two, two summers between my 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 junior and my senior year uh traveling around the world and in my second second voyage uh being the youngest crewman on the on the ship the deckhands took me under their wing and in bremerhaven germany they made me a man they took me to the local brothel <laughs> 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 and at 16 years old, I became a man. Oh boy! So, All right. so when I when I came back and <laughs> entered the seminary, <laughs> and they um, said you got to do the celibacy, and you said, "Wait, what?" <laughs> people say I I uh, I lost the calling <laughs> uh, because I, I knew what the nuns had on underneath those abs. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, man. man. That is great. So I thought you were going down kind of an uh, informal Naval Academy thing, you know, first class cruise, a second class cruise, that sort of thing. And nice. Uh, They took you to Germany. (laughs) No, (laughs) didn't want any part of the Navy. Right. (laughs) So while I was in the seminary, um, which I only lasted for one semester because of that. Um, one of the uh, one of the uh, in- instructors or or, or uh, was was a lay 
a lay person who who taught um, he, he taught uh, English and and uh, the, the uh, and and he, he was a, a really special person because he was one of the few uh, professors that would invite us into his home and we'd spend more time talking about life and things in general. And the thing that I, uh, I was most enamored about him was that he was, a, he was, he had been in the Marine Corps okay. and he had this really neat flight jacket that he always nice. wore. And I, and I said to myself, I want to be like him someday. <laughs> right. Uh, and so because of him, I joined the, I joined, I left the seminary and I joined the Marine Corps. Okay. Nice. Now, uh, so he flew in the Marine Corps. Okay. He did. Was he a World War II pilot? No, no, no. He was, he was just, um, I guess it would be during, during okay. the fifties. So, yeah. All right. Maybe Korea. Korea. Yeah. Korea. Uh, so that, that's what got me to join the Marine Corps. Uh, so w- once I was in, um, um, I, uh, I met, uh, uh, I, I made my fir- first duty station was Geiger, Camp Geiger. And, uh, that's where I met PX Kelly, who was, who had just be- became a brand new captain. Nice. And toward the end of my, my tour, um, he said, he asked me if I was going to reenlist, and I was unsure. And he said, "Tell you what, I think what you should do is stay in the reserves, go to college, and come back as an officer." And so I took it as advice, and um, I went. I went back to college, finished up uh, up at Bridgeport. Uh, they had a reserve unit up there, and at the end of my my tour, uh, I. Uh, I was commissioned a second lieutenant. Nice. And my my orders were to flight school. Now I had never wanted to go to flight school. I never asked to go to flight school. In fact, I I really had no desire to fly an airplane. I had never been in an airplane except to jump out of one. Uh, so I had a sure. know, <laughs> quite a few fighter Jew jumps, but I I thought I was going to go back to uh, infantry. And my orders were to flight school, and I went kicking and screaming because I didn't want any part so you're of flying one of those guys airplanes. with more takeoffs and landings. And <laughs> that's right. I, I, I single-handedly disproved that oh that theory gosh. that the uh, number of your takeoffs should equal the number of yeah. your landings. Hey. So in, in in flight school, I I, I found that I had uh, I had uh, uh, I I didn't do too well in 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 the. Uh, in the in the uh, classroom, but I did pretty well with the hands on and and and, and flying. Uh, but I got through it. Got through it. And uh, <clears throat> uh, hey, hey, a lot. Had what to- what year was it? Was that sixty four or sixty five? You were in flight 60, school. Sixty four. Okay. Sixty four. Yeah. And I'd like to take. Uh, sorry to break for just a second. You mentioned a gentleman by name earlier and for those that are not marines every although everybody should know him but those that are not marines fig do you remember this guy uh paul xavier kelly what what, yes. what was so special about that guy 
Well, I, here's how why I remember him. School. He was the commandant of the Marine Corps. Yes. Yeah. And a great guy. I met him on several occasions uh, down at LZ Bluebird, I think it was. Is that right, Duber? Is it Bluebird where you guys did the uh, combined arms? Uh, so I'm getting the thumbs up. He's, he's there. Yeah. 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 yeah so we go to LZ Bluebird with the Hawk missiles and they do the combined arms exercise and bring the helicopters in and repel Marines out of the helicopters and that sort of thing. And on two or three occasions, I met General Kelly as he was hosting VIPs at LC Bluebird down in Camp Lejeune. And uh, just a genuinely warm and, and pleasant guy. You'd never know he was a four-star by his demeanor. But So, hey, uh, uh, one eye, was he your platoon commander initially, your company commander? Yes. Platoon commander? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Talk about learning leadership from a great... Yeah, I, even then you could tell he was going places because he was so far above everybody. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He oozes leadership oozes out of his pores. Right. Yeah. So that not a bad start, not a good inspiration, no. or not a not a bad inspiration to uh, get a good start from. So now I have another question: yeah. uh, is how what percentage of of officers were uh, basically forced to go to flight school like you were? I mean that that's kind of unheard. That's of. That's so really. antithetical. I don't know. I don't know, I, but I think at the time they were looking for cannon fodder <laughs> Vietnam, so they they were, they were <laughs> truly, I really wow. They just, uh, I think a lot more people went to flight school that, that would would not have ordinarily did, gone. Did they even say uh, you know take it take this test to see if you got any aptitude, or they just said nope, you 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 know you you're smart on paper, you're going to flight school, or did was it uh, did they go by ABC? How the hell did they pick the guys that were they were sent into flight school? Any idea how you uh, got roped in? I'm glad you did. No. <laughs> no. Right. Wow. <clears throat> well, that's a time. I mean, times, times were way different. Yeah, I mean, how many guys that were we around would give their left testicle load to flight school? <laughs> and, yeah. and you got sent. Did You wanted to go back and, and be a, an infantry officer. Needs of the Marine Corps, right? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Always, I didn't know any better. It's always needs of the Marine Corps. Well, you can wow. you can you can sure fly a whole lot further in a short amount of time than you can walk, so <laughs> yeah, this is true. But uh okay, so you, you uh how was flight school? What what was that like for you? Flight school was okay. I, I as I said, I didn't do too well on the uh the brain work, but uh flying I did I did very well. And that really went back to my childhood because um, when I grew up, my family uh, had a lot, of, a lot of relatives that lived really close by. And I had an uncle, Henry, who lived right next door. Uh, and uh, I always used to love to listen to him tell his war stories. Nobody else wanted to listen to him, but I... I, I I, I used to sit on his knee and listen to go see. He, he was with with Patton in in uh, in in in, oh, in, in okay. Sicily, and I, I used to love to listen to his war stories. He w he was Patton's mechanic, and uh, and when I was old enough to look over the defender of a car, he started teaching me all about cars and engines and and everything that moves and he was such a master at, at that so he ended up you know he started teaching me how to change the oil and then how to change everything else uh 
And when I was 14, he said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to drive. So he took me down to the, 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 uh, the lumber yard. They had a big field out there. And he had an old Austin Healey four-speed floor shift. Okay. And he tried to teach me how to drive. And I, I couldn't coordinate the clutch and, and the gas. And I kept on going into low-speed stalls. And he said, look, turn it off. Listen to me. He said, this is just a machine. Don't let it drive you. You drive it. Become one with the machine. Make it do what you what your mind tells you to do. And I kept that with me all these years and through flight school and, you know, become one with the machine. And not only did that help me through flight school, but I think when that day came, when I, when I had, had the, 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 uh, the episode, that was one of the many factors that, that saved my life and, and, and those that, that were with me. Becoming right. one with the machine. Wow. I mean, that is such great advice. Fig, how many times over the years have you yeah. seen some people just along for the ride that they're still yeah. learning? They're like, well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Duber, yeah. you too, right? I mean, you fly with guys and, and they're letting the machine fly them. That is the best advice that, that a person could give. And that you took it to heart so early is, uh, is a testament. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, great. So when I, uh, so after after flight school, my first uh, my first uh, <coughs> operational squadron was HMM one sixty two in New River, and uh, that's where I met one of the other big factors in my life. Uh, we had a maintenance chief by the name of Willie Spruill. You know who that is, Dover, don't you? <laughs> okay, maintenance marine of the year. Okay, that's right. MCAA award is named after him. Yes. And, uh, and he was my maintenance, my maintenance chief in, in 162. And then, you know, God blessed me by making him my maintenance chief in, in 362 when I went to Vietnam. And, uh, I'll, I'll get in, into how he, he, uh, affected me, uh, when I get to Vietnam. Um, so when I was in 162, we uh, you know we do we did a Carib cruise down to Vegas and Puerto okay. Rico and, and spent spent about a year there before I went to Vietnam. Uh, just before I went to Vietnam, uh, my father, who was uh, who had worked himself up from ninth grade. He started working in the kitchens at Metropolitan Life Insurance Company uh, and worked his his way up to eventually becoming the the head of the commissary there, feeding the 20,000 employees per day. Uh, He also was the uh, first president of the National Stewards and Caterers Association, which is the American uh, Restaurant Association. And he wrote the gourmet column for Q magazine. So when I was at New River, the Navy asked him to take a trip around the world and choose the best Navy mess. Nice. Yeah. So when I was at New River, my, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, um, the, the, the CO 
got got a call from the admiral at Charleston asking if they would let me fly down to meet him when he came into the United States at Charleston. So, so, so I, I wasn't, I wasn't a hack yet, but I, uh, but I flew with another pilot and he let me fly in the right seat, uh, make it look like I knew what there I was you doing. Go. <laughs> so a hack to our audience is a helicopter <laughs> aircraft commander. Yeah. So, yeah. right. That was an H2P. Okay. Um, so, so we're coming in for a landing on the football field at Charleston. And as we land, um, I'm seeing all these people are out there with the Admiral and, and, and a whole bunch of Navy people They had the fire trucks out and everything. So we land and, and as I, as, as I get out of the helicopter, there's my father and the admiral standing right down below me. I go, I go to swing out, and I lose my grip, and I fall ass over the tea <laughs> kettle, flat on my back. And here I am looking up at my father and the admiral, and he looks down at me, and he says, I hope you fly better than that. <laughs> if, if you saw one of those pictures that mm-hmm. i sent you if you wonder who that short guy was standing next to me the right. helicopter that, that that was my father he was four foot ten but he was the biggest little man that, I ever that's, knew. that's awesome <laughs> what, was it an h-34 yeah. that you flew down to charleston there okay. yes yes it was an h-34 four flew i fell 13 oh feet god on my- <laughs> knock the wind out of you there or what oh my goodness <laughs> holy smokes <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I also remember reading in there uh, is Very that your mother uh, was from Rome, right? Yeah. Yes. And, my and your father was Sicilian, Sicilian, so your mother considered you half Italian. That's right. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. That's incredible. Yeah. Duber's back. Yeah, welcome so, back, Duber. Yeah. yeah. So... Just before I went to Vietnam, I met mm-hmm. my wife, uh, Carolyn. Uh, she was a Navy nurse at, at a Lejeune, and I had met her on the uh, on the, uh, the the jump circuit because I was doing some sport parachuting, and she was the only female on the Navy jump team. And I found out that she was a nurse at Lejeune, so we started dating and jumping together and a month before i I went to vietnam we got married um um, she was really uh something because it was it was like marrying one of the guys she she could out curse out drink and out (laughs) out, out, any guy but 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 uh uh, <laughs> and, um, and I thought that, uh, you know, if anything happened to me, she could take care of me. Right. <laughs> so we, we got, we got married, uh, a month before I went That's to Vietnam. Awesome. And where was she and, from? And she was from Jacksonville, uh, uh, okay. Florida. Her, her father, her father, you wouldn't believe it was a Baptist minister. 
but you never know it to, to know her. Uh, that's usually how it goes. Right? I, I have to ask. Uh, I have to ask before we get too far away from this subject. Uh, you, so you you met her doing sport skydiving. So were you right. on the Marine Corps team at the time? Is that how you you met her? Because she was on the Navy team, or how, how did that work? Not not technically, because the Marine Corps didn't really have a a team, but. Um, Lejeune had a, a, a group of guys that, that, that said they were the Marine Corps team. <laughs> Self-anointed team. There you go. So did, did you get, did you get your jump wings, uh, when you were in the infantry before, uh, before? Yes. Okay. Yes. Nice. yes. That's unique. Not, not all Marines get to do that. What kind of, uh, was it yeah. a recon, uh, was it a recon unit? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So well, yeah. you you weren't just any so, any uh, Marines. You're a recon right. Marine. That's kind of a, you're kind of a badass right from the so, get go. Then. So um, yeah, he was anyhow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, but but unfortunately, uh, Carolyn uh, was lost in a plane crash uh, a month after I came back from the from Vietnam. I was still in the hospital and totally right. blind. Yeah. That's just and uh, talk about a gut punch uh, while you're down, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was probably the lowest part of my life. If I if if I could have found a window, I would have jumped out of it, but I couldn't oh see. So, I, and later on, when I did gain my eyesight back, I found that I was on the first floor and I could have only broken <laughs> one. So God has a way of oh, looking boy, at it. Darn right, he does. Now uh, the the aircraft uh, uh, the fit, aircraft fatality that she was involved in was it w- while she was uh, you know going to jump out? Was it a jump plane or no? No, actually, uh, she had when I was in Vietnam, she uh, uh, took flight lessons and got her got her commercial oh, license. Wow. Yeah, she was quite a person, and uh, she, she was flying to Bermuda, and uh, got lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, if you look at that old black and white movie, the Bermuda Triangle, you see at the end, it's she has the has her her name is at the end of there. Oh <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, uh, after I after I uh, uh, got out, my I don't know if you could see this. Oh yeah, oh, your wings. Your wings. Yep. Yeah. Got the diamond. Got yeah. the wife's diamond in the middle of the shield on your av- on your naval aviator wings. Yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah, my, my mother had that ring made for yeah. me, and that has as my wife's diamond in the middle of it. I got that in the PX for four hundred ninety nine dollars. Beautiful. What a great piece of gear that is, and a special a special keepsake, <laughs> obviously. So, yeah. and then uh, well. Uh, since we're on the sad, so, excuse me, the sad subject of, of death, um, your father passed, uh, and it's been some years back now. I think I read about it. It was, uh, in the nineties, was it? Yeah. Yes. And, uh, I recall that you, uh, you guys located something kind of special there, uh, after his death that was, uh, an envelope, as I recall with, uh, with some gloves in it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gunny told you that. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, when he passed, uh, uh, we found an envelope with a, a note in it that he, he wrote in his, in his, in his own hand. And, and it said, 
These are the gloves of my son um, who was wounded in combat. Uh, it still had the blood on him. And uh, he says, when I die, I want to be buried holding them in my hands. Wow. Yeah. And, and he, he did. So an especially close family. So we, you, you obviously looked up to yes. him, but uh, he, he looked uh, up oh. to you as well. Uh, as a, as a, yeah. Even though he's only four foot ten, yeah. I looked up to him. Well, that's it. You know, I mean, physical <laughs> stature ain't it in life, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's incredible. So when we got to Vietnam, oh, <laughs> before before I went to Vietnam, my my wife Carolyn said, "Make sure you get all your shots and spread them out over over a period of time because you don't want to get them all at once." So I took her advice, like a good husband. And when I got to California, before I got on the plane to Vietnam, they had lost my <sighs> shot record. So I had to take all six shots all at once before I got on the plane. Oh. When I got on a plane, I was so sick, I didn't think I was going to make it to Vietnam. I thought I was going to die yeah. before oh I got there. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a funny story about that. I was made sick. I think it was the typhoid. It was either the yellow fever or the typhoid shot. I think it was the typhoid shot. And so uh, I said, well, being an enterprising young man, I grabbed my medical record and I took the exact information from the typhoid shot and put it in the next year. And a year later, I put it in again. <laughs> I'm not taking that damn shot again, no matter what. And then one day I'm in there and the corpsman's looking through my shot record and he goes, uh, huh, that's unusual. Oh, what's that? Uh, this typhoid shot. I go, yeah, that one hurts like a bad word. I, I, I'm. I hate that shot. He goes, yeah, it's just, that's weird. I go, well, what's that? He goes, that's all like once every 10 year shot. And they give you three years. In a row. <laughs> <laughs> so you should probably know what you're doing before you start gun decking your medical records. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you sneaky Marine. It's okay. I'm a doctor. <laughs> doctor repeat. Oh, well. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know HelloFresh offers more than just delicious dinners? Now you can skip that extra grocery store run by adding snacks, sides, and more to your weekly order. Simply shop HelloFresh Market and choose from a curated selection of over 100 items. Whether you're looking to eat well, reach your food goals, or simply save time, HelloFresh has you covered. Their menu features calorie-smart and protein-smart options, as well as new vegan dinners to choose from. HelloFresh makes it easy to enjoy flavorful recipes that leave you feeling satisfied. With HelloFresh, you can have it all, free time and fresh tasty food. They take care of the meal planning and deliver the ingredients so everything you need to whip up a delicious meal arrives right at your door. And speaking of variety, HelloFresh offers 40 recipes to choose from every single week. Say goodbye to boring meals and hello to exciting new flavors that will keep you inspired in the kitchen. When you need dinner fast, don't settle for delivery. Think HelloFresh. Their fast and fresh recipes are ready in just 15 minutes or less. Plus, HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout, so you can enjoy delicious meals without breaking the bank. Featuring quality proteins, fresh produce, and plans for many lifestyles, it's no wonder why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Join the millions of satisfied customers who've transformed their dinner routine with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash so there I was 50 and use the code so there I was 50 for 50% off plus free shipping. 
And if you're still not convinced, let me share my personal experience with HelloFresh. We initially received it as a gift, and our first meal was pork tacos with mango salsa. Was it ever a revelation? It was absolutely amazing, and we've been paying customers ever since. So, why wait? Go to HelloFresh.com slash SoThereIWas50 and use the code SoThereIWas50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That's an incredible offer you don't want to miss. Say hello to HelloFresh and goodbye to boring dinners. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Have you ever wondered why the floor of a commercial airliner is illuminated? Or why the safety briefing says to wait until you are exiting the aircraft prior to inflating your life vest? Or what are those moving parts on the wings? Check out Hard Landings Podcast. They cover commercial aviation accidents, incidents, explain how things went wrong, and discuss how each event has affected aviation safety. Now is the safest time to fly. Check them out wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep your airspeed up. So I get to Vietnam, and my first day in country, they flew me from Da Nang down to Kiha where I met the squadron I was going to join, HMM 362, the Ugly Angels. And I think Gunny's told you the rest of this yeah, story. Oh, yeah, your first combat mission, uh, as I recall. Um, my, my first combat yeah. mission. There you go. Let me put, uh, for those watching online, I'm going to put Duber up, up nice and large there. There we go. HMM 362, Ugly Angels. And that's actually, I'm thinking I'm going to make that, the that patch is going to be the show logo this week that's so awesome that'll be yeah. cool yeah. yeah that's an awesome patch yeah Duber, is it the same is it the same still today same patch same same uh logo like when you flew when you flew no or was it changed a little bit he's he's digging oh, he's yeah. digging yeah oh he's got it there we go oh there's the new oh wow that's uh that's that's much more intimidating looking than Sno- snoopy on the uh <laughs> on the doghouse nice okay oh wow so which is uh, so, and and Duber has, is showing us all these patches online. The the beauty is uh, that was his first gun squadron, if you recall from his show a couple weeks ago. He got to go there yeah, because one of your squadron mates was was uh, uh, Larry. Was it was it Francis Larry, Larry Turner? Turner? Yeah, yeah. He said, Flubber was his call sign, as I recall. Right, Do you recall right. how he got that, that call sign, or no? Okay. No, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't. But uh, somebody does. Yeah. Uh, somebody knows. <laughs> but I, I remember when we 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 came back from Vietnam, uh, Gunny and I used to go out to uh, uh, Larry's Larry's house out and out in uh, um, Iowa, and we used to go pheas- pheasant hunting, and that's when I met Duber, yeah. Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we used to sit around a table and, and tell war stories and and uh Duber would sit at the end of the table and and and, and say, Wow, that's really something half some of the stories were true, but it was enough to impress him. Uh so he so he he became the first second generation ugly angel when he joined the Marine Corps and and uh and, and joined HMM 362 as, as an right. ugly angel. Awesome. And uh, we've been close family that's ever incredible. since. Yeah, yeah, the extended family that is the Marine Corps. That's uh, that's a big deal. Yeah. 
So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. so I'm back in Vietnam and, and uh, I, I met the squadron <coughs> um, on the as they were coming off the boat. And uh, the, the squadron was giving a, a, a 48 hour stand down so they could uh, regroup and get settled and get liquor. So, up. of course, <laughs> yeah. So the first thing everybody did is head head to the head to the the the, uh, the slop shoot and get uh, you know sloppy I mean, drunk. From what I uh, understood, <laughs> it, it was mandatory. Yeah, that that particular. Yeah. yeah. Right. Then that's where I then that's where I met my squadron mates at the nice. slop shoot, uh, and yeah, it was really a nice, <laughs> nice presentation, and uh, and and about. Two o'clock in the morning, um, uh, while everybody was still drunk or passed out, we get the order to to mount up. They they needed they needed a an emergency uh, insert. I think they had to uh, insert a battalion of uh, of uh, South Vietnamese uh, up near Da Nang. Uh, I don't know how far it was, maybe forty miles north. And we had to join another another squadron, and so everybody runs out to the aircraft and say, the, the, "We didn't have any 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 pre-brief or anything. You're flying with you. You're flying with him. I'm flying with you." <laughs> like picking teams in the eighth grade, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I ended up in the last aircraft, um, and, and taken off and. And I'm I'm watching this clusterfuck uh, take off, <laughs> and everybody technical term indeed. It's <laughs> very descriptive. And as they take off, everybody's sort of sort of trying to fly formation, but not not too well, and. Fly, <laughs> And every once in a while, you see somebody fall off because they either they uh, they fell asleep or they passed out, and some and all of a sudden they come back in because the co-pilot grabbed it back, put back in, <laughs> and <coughs> and uh, luckily nobody was injured or killed, and we made it up and back without any losses. But that was my first flight and introduction, nice. and that was that was May of '67. Okay. Uh, well, yes. Get it. Welcome to the Ugly okay. Angels. Get yeah. get your ass in the helicopter <laughs> <Yes>. and go. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And try not to kill anybody while you're doing it. Oh man. Well, right. it's, it's just right. a miracle that you guys all made it there and back. You got the mission done, and nobody yes, got was. hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God looks looks after imbeciles and drunks. <laughs> Boy, don't I know it. And and sometimes both at the same time. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. So that, that was my first, my first, my first flight. Now you guys didn't take any fire on so, that flight, though, right? Okay. No, none, no, no, no. Thank God. Yeah. Do you do you remember your first flight where you went into an LZ and uh, uh, they were actually uh, putting lead in your direction? Oh yes, yeah. I I I, I got I got shot down three times while I was oh my there. Gosh. Only three? <laughs> yeah, yeah, shot down three yeah. and shot up once, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, 
the 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 first time that that I got I got I got shot down, uh, we had uh, caught some fire coming out of coming coming out of the zone, and uh, the engine quit, and I had had to make an emergency landing in a, in a in a group of trees. And, uh, and as, as I, uh, as, as I hit the trees, I put my hand up to, uh, to brace myself and the window slammed shut on my thumb and took my thumbnail off. That hurt like a son of a bitch. Like you know, if you ever get your hand caught oh, in a yeah. car door, you know what it feels like. It hurt. It hurt worse than when I actually got hit, and it, and it bled like a oh, son of a yeah. bitch. So so when I got back, you know, the corpsman bandaged up my thumb, and he says, "Well, you caught you you caught you you drew blood on the fire. You could get the Purple Heart." I said, "Don't yeah. you." Dare to be into a purple heart. How am I going to explain this to the grandkids? How'd you get the purple heart in the war, Daddy? Yeah, yeah. Lost my thumbnail in it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, when I do it, I'm gonna do it right. And I unfortunately yeah. I did. So so Ben, in that in that scenario where you put it down, were you were you carrying a load of people? Did you have cargo on board? Was it were you empty? No, I was coming okay. out. No, it was okay. empty. So you yeah. it's just you, the crew chief and yeah, and your co-pilot and and the wingman was there to come come yeah. down and pick. Do you remember what caused the engine failure? Was it shot or was it oh, okay? Yeah, yeah, it was shot. Okay. The second time uh, got got shot down. I was able to land, and we knew that the VC weren't too far away, so we immediately ran for cover in 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 the trees and set up set up uh, 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 a defense line. Uh, and as I'm laying there, this woman comes walking along with a bush hat on and wanted to know what we were doing there. And it was it was Vicky Chappelle. Remember Vicky Chappelle? She was the uh, uh, from Australia. She was the uh, the photographer from oh, Australia, like a, war, like a war correspondent. Yeah, yeah. National Geographic. Yes, uh, National Geographic me? correspondent. Yeah, hey, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> what, what are you doing? <laughs> oh wow, that's what are you doing here? That's almost well, a show hear, title. You don't, no, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Hey, so, uh, so were both of the first two uh, times you were shot down, was that daytime, I'm assuming? Daytime? Yes. Okay. Yes. And what, what about the third? Yeah, all, all three. All three. Okay. What happened to the third time? Um, n- n- nothing. Just I just just landed and the, in the, uh, my, my wingman picked us up and they went back and got the helicopter. I was up at Case. No, it's no big deal. You yeah. shot down, and it's, it's no big deal. Yeah, <laughs> we we, we are waiting. Got you, so it's okay. You, you yeah. talk. You talk Listen, like this is just so. It's nonchalant. You know, you're you're not in you're not in combat. You didn't have your ass shot off, and you had to land in the or wherever. It's no big deal. Well, in retrospect, you know, <laughs> at the time I wasn't as calm. Well, I, get, I guess if you're not good, if you don't for, have to force land in the trees, uh, that's then that's yeah. it's not such a big deal. 
Wow. (laughs) One of the things that always blew my mind, Ben, and you can probably attest to this, you guys would get shot down or you'd ball up a helicopter or you'd have an accident. What did you do immediately after that? You got right back in another helicopter and went flying. Right. You know, they didn't take you off the schedule. There wasn't any mishap review right. board. You didn't go do a six months without test. flying. And it's yeah, like, right. No, nah, get right back in a helicopter and keep going. Right. Cause you know, the thought was, uh, how do you tackle this fear of flying again? How do you, you know, how do you keep the demons at bay? You get right back on the damn yeah, horse yeah. and go. I know. I think my dad did that twice in one damn day. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Well, that that that's how I actually that's how I became the maintenance pilot and brings me into my other story about uh, about uh, Willie Spruill uh, because every time I bring a helicopter back he 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 me at the flight line and he says Captain if you don't stop breaking my aircraft I'm gonna make you a maintenance pilot so you could see how we have to <laughs> fix these things and I'm gonna make you fix them <laughs> and sure enough. I, I kept breaking them, and he made me his maintenance pilot. <laughs> and and that was one of the other factors that I'll get into later on, on what may have uh, contributed to saving my life. Because when I became a maintenance pilot, I got to fly that aircraft uh, in situations that you don't normally do. Yeah. Um, you know, because you, you 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 really get to feel the aircraft. You could you could sit there with your eyes closed, which I did many times, just with your hands on the stick mm-hmm. and the instruments, and and uh, literally become one with the aircraft uh, when you're doing maintenance flights or you're just just hovering and stuff like that. And that that really was a major factor in my survival. Uh, and, and, and when, when it, when it became necessary, I totally see that. Uh, so I ended up flying uh, 650 combat missions and, and then, um, uh, I guess my, my last flight is what you probably want to hear yeah, about. Yeah. That'd be good. If you could walk us through that, how did you find yourself? My understanding is you were, had the night medevac, uh, emergency call out. Yeah. We were off the coast on the Iwo Jima just uh, below the DMZ, the, the middle of dry yeah. zone. I was, uh, it was my turn in the, in the, in the basket. And I got a call for a night medevac. Second battalion, fourth Marines were at Dido, which was about 20 miles inland, just below the DMZ. Okay. Oh. Are you sitting at attention, Fig? <laughs> I'm at attention. Are ringing. you at attention? I'm at attention. <laughs> that is a great ringtone. My- you should see her. My wife's ringtone oh, held to the chief. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say you were on the Iwo Jima Iwo, at the time that uh, you were doing the night medevac? Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. right. So, yeah. So, you were there. Right. and that. So, I got called to do the night, okay. night medevac, and I was uh, the lead pilot, flight of two. Robbie Robinson was my wingman. And we got a call that they had five seriously wounded medevacs, mm-hmm. Marines, that had to get had to get out is life and death. Normally, in the middle of the night, you really didn't take medevacs unless it was really an emergency if it could wait. But they had to get out, so we he- headed inland. And in those days, you didn't have GPS or anything. It was all distance and direction off off of the uh, the signal from the ship. Okay. So we flew inland, 
And uh, as I approached where I thought the site was, I told him to, to uh, I, I, I called for, uh, uh, for a situation. They said that uh, they had broken action just shortly before. They didn't, they didn't know how close the, uh, the enemy still was. I told them to identify the zone and put a strobe light where they wanted my right wheel to right. land. Okay. This way I, I would come on, land on the strobe light and cover it. And then they'd know where to load, you know, stage the medevacs to loading. Right. So I, I came in and I landed, uh, no problems. And uh, they started loading the, loading the medevacs. And meanwhile, my wingman was circling overhead. As soon as they started loading the medevacs, all hell broke loose. Mm. We got we received fire from 360 degrees all around. Robbie said that it looked like the spokes of a wheel, and I was in the middle. <sighs> he never expected me to come out of that zone. There's so much fire coming in. I while they were loading the medevacs, I got hit, caught shrapnel in both my eyes. Mm. I didn't realize what it was because I I didn't feel any pain. I must have been in shock. And I never felt any pain for the whole time, um, <clears throat> but I couldn't see. And I tried to wipe my eyes, and I and I couldn't clear them. So I I uh, called my co-pilot on the ICS, and he didn't answer me. So I reached over to get his attention, and he was slumped wow. over. So I he he had gotten hit. So I called down to uh, my my crew chief Bob Bush. And I said, Bob, I can't, I can't see, and Larry's hit. We can't stay here. We're taking too much fire. We have to get out. You're going to have to talk me out. And uh, he, he said, uh, okay, Captain. He says, uh, and, and he, was, he, was loading, he was loading the medevacs as all this took place. He was returning fire, loading the medevacs, and he started giving me directions. And he was also wounded. He got shot in the ass for the second time. Because he had and, nothing else going on. Just, and, you know, just loading, yeah. Yeah. shooting, dealing with wounds. Right. Let me talk the captain out of here while we're at it. Yeah. And he's a story unto himself. I'll get yeah. into that in a minute. So I started adding power. And this is where all these prior experiences come together. I started adding power and I took my K bar. At, I don't know why, but I took my K bar out and I smashed some of the gauges so I could feel the instruments. And as I was adding power, I felt that I had enough power because I could hear and feel the vibrations and I knew what the aircraft was doing. And I couldn't lift off. Bob says, uh, We can't get off the ground. You, they loaded eight medevacs instead of five. You're going to have to roll it. Just an extra 600 pounds. So, <laughs> yeah. So I started rolling the aircraft forward. And as we picked up speed, he kept, you know, keep, keep it straight, keep it straight. Uh, we, we bounced through a dry riverbed <laughs> until we gained enough speed to, to get airborne. And once, once we were airborne, my wingman, Robbie, came down, got in between me and where most of the fire was coming from, they acted as a shield and suppressed fire. And he took over and he told me everything that he was doing, you know, to mm -hmm. talk me out 10 miles south 
to the mouth of the Coavia River where we landed uh, on uh, at the uh, uh, there was a CB base there at the at the mouth of the Coavia River. We landed on the ramp, uh, which act, coincidentally happened to be the same spot that Gunny landed on on his last landing yeah, in Vietnam. Right. I remember that story. <laughs> yeah. 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 <sighs> And uh, in 2011, Gunny and I went back to Vietnam, and we went back to that spot. Does it look any bigger than it did then? Because, <laughs> of course, you you, uh, you didn't well, see it that yeah. night, obviously. But yeah, holy yeah, cow. yeah, yeah. We we also went back to uh, the spot where I got hit at Daido, and um, and uh, with with a a bunch of guys from two four. Um, <clears throat> And uh, we're standing in the middle of the field where this all took place. And this guy walks out from a distant hut. And he wanted to know what we were doing in his field. And an interpreter told him what we were doing. And he says, I was there that night. Wow. And, and we became friends on Facebook. We still communicate on Facebook. I'll be darned. He, he was yeah. there uh, yeah. as, uh, as the enemy, as the, uh, as the opposing force. Well, he was, he was a lot younger yeah. then. So it was his family, uh, I guess, worked that, that oh, field. Okay. okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So and he remembered that quite distinctly. Um, <clears throat> so where was um, I? So you, so you <laughs> had uh, just landed at the mouth of the Quavia River uh, with, uh, with the eight wounded Marines. Yes. Right. And then uh, my wingman came down and picked me up, and they sent out the helicopters to pick up uh, everybody else. They brought me out to the hospital ship, and I, I was on the operating table within the hour uh, after I was hit. I spent uh, seven days on a hospital ship. Um, the, uh, the the flight surgeon that operated on me um, – saved the sight in, in, in my, my right eye, although I didn't know it at the time because it took a while before that sight came back and had to nucleate the left eye, uh, which I have a, a prosthesis in there now. And uh, um, he actually became my eye doctor for many years when I came back to the States. That's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, and, and never, uh, never sent you a bill from what I uh, from what I read in your uh, in your. That's right. Never sent that me a bill. That is just yeah. amazing. What? Hey, yeah. Ben, what other kind of injuries and wounds did you have other than your to, to your face? That that's all. Yeah, that's a minor shrapnel wounds. To the you know the arms and legs, but nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was all on your. It was all on the left side. It, it, the blast came. The shrapnel came from the left side. Of the helicopter? No, I, I I don't know where it came. I came. I think it came straight oh, okay. on. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, because uh, <clears throat> because they um, they they found some bullet holes in the map case right below my right behind my head right. uh, when it much has come through. When I leaned over to check on on Larry, it must have came right through the windshield and went up into the map map case. But I guess the, the, the shrapnel from the plexiglass and and everything else that came through the dashboard um must have come come through my eyes straight on and 
And now you yeah, mentioned uh, you've mentioned Larry a couple times. Um, it was Gunny's recollection that he died that night, but I think I read in some things you sent us that he did not pass that night. That he went on to fly a little bit more and and recovered from his wounds, yes. but was unfortunately yes. lost uh, later in Vietnam. Yeah, he was lost in the midair about six months mm. later. He was coming out of his zone and ran into the belly of a forty-six. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, but uh, that, that, was, that was his first. His he was brand new in the squadron. It was his first first medevac. Wow, that's uh, that's yeah. rough too. That's my feet right in the fire. Yeah, yeah. and it was uh, yeah. Larry Houck, H O U C K. Yes. Okay. Thank yeah. you to Larry's family for his service and his sacrifice. Yes. yes. Amen. That is uh, that that story. Your story. It just. Uh, you know, my, my palms are sweating. I've read it. I've read it a couple of times. Just hearing you t- talk about it, my, you know, my palms yeah. are sweating. The back, the hair in the back of my neck was standing up because I'm trying to put yeah. myself there. And it's, that's just intense. Yeah. Right. And so, well, I have a lot of people to thank for that. And I have to take the time to tell you about my crew chief, right. Corporal Bob Bush. Bush. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bob Bush was I, I sent you a picture of him. I yes. don't know if you saw that. But, um, he and I are friends to this day. He was a young corporal, 19 years old, and the only corporal to actually have an aircraft of his own and be a crew chief. And it was because he was so good at what he did. He literally slept in that helicopter. When my parents were sending me salamis. His parents were sending him Simonized car wax. He had the only waxed <laughs> helicopter in combat. <laughs> if if you take a look at the at the pictures of the the, the damage to Yankee Lima uh-huh. Twelve, you'll see that it's highly polished, it's not the dull green that is normally on the aircraft. <laughs> That's how much pride this guy had in his in his work. And the pilots used to fight to get to fly with him because they knew how well he kept that aircraft and how much uh, it meant to him. And I remember before this happened, we had been flying together up at Quezon, and we were taking a break. And I said to Bob, your uh, tour is getting short. What are you going to do now? Are you going to go back, get out? He says, our shucks, Captain, he says, I ain't getting out of the Marine Corps. In fact, I'm going to stay here. I want to stay up for another tour because if I go home, I'm just another, and he used the N-word. I'm either going to end up in jail or in dead. Uh, he says, so I ain't going back, and I'm, I'm staying here wow. because people respect me for what I do and not the color of my skin. And that stayed with me uh, you yeah. know, for all this time. I was blessed, not lucky, but blessed to have him as my crew chief that night. And he was one of the many factors that went to, you know, it was all teamwork. You know, they wanted wanted to put me in for the Medal of Honor. And I said, it wasn't me. It was teamwork. You know, it wasn't one person. It was all all of these factors, all these people. But anyhow... um, I lost track of Bob for many years, and then they managed to find him and get him back to one of our reunions. And 
we had a very emotional reunion. And I said, Bob, where you been? What you what what have you been doing all this time? He says, Ah, shucks, Captain. He still won't call me by my first name. <laughs> he says, I got shot in the ass for the second time. And they took me out to the hospital ship. I spent spent a couple of days. They patched me up and they came back. And the first thing I did, I went back to look at my baby. Yeah. And and he says, my whole life just fell apart. He says she was completely destroyed. He said, I went into such a severe state of depression that I just finished my tour. I got out of the Marine Corps and I went back to Youngstown, Ohio. And I, and I was working in the steel mills. And I didn't know whether to commit suicide or what I was going to do. He said, but thank God. My mother and my, my wife were very strong in the church. And through faith, I, I said one morning I got up and I said, today I'm either going to kill myself or going to turn my life around. And actually he turned his life around, obviously, because he was there Perfect. to talk to me. He uh, ended up going to college, finished college, went to law school, became an attorney. He uh, became the chief of police in Youngstown, Ohio. And the last time I talked to him, he was running for mayor. Nice. <laughs> Now that's as a success right. story, and it, it, exactly. Yeah, and then uh, if you right. if you looked at the yeah. picture, and I'll have it up within the podcast as well. But for, I had it up on the video. I think I read he stopped counting the uh, holes in the side of that aircraft at five hundred. Oh yes, yes. He's yeah. He said I stopped counting at five hundred yeah. bullet holes. Wasn't that's gonna buff that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, all wow. the wax in the world wasn't gonna fix that one up. Wow. Yeah. What an incredible young Marine. Uh, yeah, as much credit to him uh, getting you guys out of there that night is to you. All of, all of it yeah. um, was true. Yeah, it was, couldn't have done it without him. It was a big, it was teamwork, like you said, man, your yeah. wingman, your crew chief, you, it all came together. Wow. Yeah. What a story. That's another recurring theme we're seeming to have here is that Marines are going out of their way not to let their buddies down. Just saying. Yeah. Now, uh, I, this is a little off the subject, but this is a, a Viet. When when you were in Vietnam, your unit were you were you involved in the water buffalo incident? Okay. No, that was cook. That no. was cook, no. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. our cook. Yes, you had nothing to do with that, though. Correct? No, no. We, we, for a while, we've Did, gotten we've gotten in a theme where there's uh, there's uh, livestock uh, in almost all yeah. our stories now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he might have known Lieutenant Hungwell, though. Oh, I don't know if he ever. Yeah, flew with hey, him. did did you ever fly with uh, Lieutenant Hungwell? Studley Hungwell. Studley Hungwell. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of them thought they were. <laughs> oh my oh, god! Beautiful. Did uh, how about you and yeah. Gunny? Did you ever fly together in Vietnam? Oh yes. Oh yes. A lot. Okay. A lot. Yeah. He he was. He was a good stick. He was what probably one of the best pilots we had in the squadron. Well, that's that's what that's he what was, he said too. Yeah. We, we we didn't we didn't know if that was true. Yeah, yeah don't tell him that. He said doesn't need to get any freaking bigger than it already is. Yeah, we, we we continued to fly together even after after I got we got out of the Marine Corps because uh, we, we had restored a couple of thirty fours and we we took them coast to coast together. And prayer um, shows, right? The, air shows and prayer yeah. shows and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, because when when I came back, um, I spent uh, nine months in a hospital putting the pieces back together. 
And uh, then they wanted to retire me. And I said, what do you mean retire? I don't want to get out. And they said, well, what are you going to do? You can't fly anymore. And I said, uh, why not? I, I said, because I could fly better with one eye than most pilots can with two. Which, which brings me to another story because my last flight was in Vietnam was really not that flight. Right. Um, um, Walt Casey, who was, who was a, uh, a pilot in our squadron, uh, after I got out of the, off the hospital ship, I came back to the uh, Iwo Jima to gather my gear, which they had already divided up amongst themselves. And uh, <laughs> right. they gave me a little presentation. And then when I went to go back to the hospital ship to go back to the States, uh, he had the bright idea of saying, well, would you like to fly again? I said, of course I would. Is that? Hell yeah, you're going to fly, right? Yeah, hell yes. So, so, uh, so I, I, I still had the, my eye bandage on, so I took the bandage <laughs> off to see if I could see, and I was able to see black and white and big things. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> like a ship. So, so, so he said, okay, you get, you get in the pilot seat, and I'll get down below. So he, he get. He, he gets down below, and Robbie Robertson, who was my wingman that night, happened to be the hack on that pilot on that flight. So he he got in the left seat and let me get in the right seat. And uh, and uh, Walt Casey gets down below and had the the corpsman bandage him up like a mummy. <laughs> and he's laying down below on a stretcher, and I'm flying the medevac back to the hospital <laughs> ship. Flying your own medevac back to the hospital yeah. ship. I am flying my yeah. own medevac back to the hospital ship. And, and uh, you know, God look, looks at the imbeciles and drunks, and, they, and I was able to uh, get on without, uh, without damaging anything. And uh, the, the uh, corpsman come running out with the stretcher, expecting to get the... Uh, the medevac out from from below, and I start climbing down from the from the uh, the pilot the, the pilot seat thirteen feet up pilot seat, and he's he, and he gets out from below and starts unwinding all these bandages that are going up into the into the rotor blades. <laughs> <laughs> he he jumped he jumped into the pilot into the pilot seat, and I jumped I and I laid down on a stretcher. <laughs> oh, that's. <laughs> and they, and he got out of dodge yeah, real quick. Rich. Well, if I told you that the CEO of that ship did not have a sense of humor, it would be yeah, an understatement. Oh he was apoplectic. <laughs> that, that is amazing. Whoop. But that was my actual last flight. In, in there Vietnam. you go. That, that's great. Yeah. Well, the upside that is, is you didn't fall I, 13 feet when you're getting out of the helicopter that day. So oh, that would have hurt a little more. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I, I came back to the States and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, when I got out of the hospital, I, I wanted to stay in and they said, well, you, you can't, you know, you obviously you're, you're, you only have one eye. And, and I, and so I, uh, I, uh, I went to my congressman, and um, and um, my CEO Walt Shower wrote a letter to the BUMED and and to the board, and where he recounted that last flight, and said that if anybody could do it, he can, and that's got me back on flight status. So I was the only pilot 
ever to get back on flight status in the Marine Corps with one eye. That's incredible. And, uh, yeah. So they sent me down to uh, Glencoe, Georgia, where I was training the rear seat navigators for the F-4 Phantom uh, in the, uh, the, the, uh, the, in the Sabre liner. They had taken, uh, uh, the, uh, the back seats out of the Sabre liner and put in four radar scopes and they took the co-pilot seat out of the front seat and put a radar scope up there. And, um, you would take them up and uh, do the same operations you did in the F4 at half the price and half the speed. <laughs> and I was, and I, and I was doing that for almost a year. But um, the uh, part of the deal was I had to get my flight physical uh, every six months instead of every year. And after the first flight physical, uh, they saw that the uh, good eye was starting to go oh. bad. From the, So they said, you, you know, you're going to have to make a choice. You're either going to have to get out or, uh, or change your MOS to a cannon cocker or something like that. So I was... 28 years old and i figured well i'll get on with my life right so, so ben uh just 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 so i can get get this straight when you were down in glen glencoe were you training yes were you training the rios on the radar and how and all that or were you actually flying the airplane i was actually flying oh, the aircraft outstanding yeah yeah <laughs> yeah beautiful yeah 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 okay that's what i, I was hoping you were gonna say that outstanding yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so then a, uh, okay. So let, look, can I ask you a, a, a technical kind of a technical question about your eye damage? Was it the cornea that was, that was injured, uh, on your good eye it, or, or what was it? Yes. There's, 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 there's a, a shrapnel scar right across the center of the, right across the center <laughs> of the cornea that, that causes everything to be blurry and, and refracted. So I don't see anything clear. Everything is blurry. Everything is uh, double. Did I, did, I, I, did I read that you, years later when the technology came, had some laser type surgery that helped improve that, your vision? They did that on the hospital ship. They had, la they, that, they had the technology yeah. back then? I experimental. Yeah, it was experimental. The same, the same uh, doctor that, that operated on me on a hospital ship uh, Lorette de Mola was his name. Um, uh, when I came back, um, I, I bumped into him at St. Albans hospital and he was just getting ready to retire. And, um, he, uh, opened a practice in West New York where I went to him, uh, for about 20, 25 years until he decided to retire. And, uh, all those years, I'd walk into the office. It'd be full of people. I'd be the first one in and the first oh. one out. And he never sent you a bill. Never sent you a bill. How about that? That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. That is amazing. Well, thank you for sharing all that. And, and I want to yeah. say, actually, this is from not just me, but my wife, because she, she read your story. And she wants me to tell you how grateful we are for your service. And thank you. Indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you. We are humbled that you would join us. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much time you got left, but I got some more stories. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep yeah. going. So that's a picture of the Twin Towers, and it's awfully in, it's obviously in a Marine aircraft because it's got Marines on the wing there. Yeah. Right. So. 
I took that two weeks before the towers came down. No shit. Yeah. Oh, is there a date? Yeah. Is there a no date sure. on the picture, Duber? That's an old date, or that, just from printing okay. it. Okay. Today. It should be uh, August twenty sixth, two thousand one. Wow. So how 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 yeah. did that how did that picture come about? Um. Well, after after I after I get out, um, I I continued to fly, um, um, you know, restored aircraft, and and one of the aircraft that was restored was uh, an L seventeen that was restored by a crew chief of ours uh, in three sixty two Frank Flag, who lived in Marblehead, Massachusetts. And we used to take the L-17 around to, to air shows. And we had just done the Sussex Air Show um, um, on um, August 26th. Uh, and we were flying down into Teterboro, back into Teterboro. And as we flew down the river, uh, that's when you could fly down the river at 800 feet and not get shot down. Um, we... Uh, we fl flew down the river and I took my camera out of my, my pocket, my, um, and, uh, I was snapping pictures of all the touristy stuff, the Washington bridge and the, and the statue of sure. Liberty. And, and as we turned back up the river, uh, I, uh, wanted to take a picture of the twin towers and I must've leaned as I was flying because I had no intentions of getting that wing in the picture. I just wanted pictures of the towers. And it wasn't until months later, because that's when you used to have film in the camera, how to be developed. Right. I, I, that, that picture came out. The wing is perfectly uh, framed between the towers, purely purely an accident. That's how that, that came about. But that photo has taken on a life of its own. Yeah. Uh, it's been around the world. And the first photo was uh, uh, the first blow up I gave to uh, uh, the commandant at the time, General Jones, uh, and he took it with him when he became the Supreme Allied Commander at NATO, and he came back later and told me that whenever dignitaries came in and their office and noticed it, he pointed it and said, that's why we're there. And, nice. uh, you know, so it's really, uh, but I, I, I've never sold it, never will. Uh, it's only been given to charitable organizations or Marines that have asked for it. So L L seven so L seventeen is a Navion, correct? That's okay. correct. Yes. Yeah. So then I also got involved with um with uh, Al Weiss um uh, in the restoration of uh Yankee November nineteen, which is now in the Marine Corps Museum. And um and um, in 1999, the group of us got together and went out to Tucson to the boneyard and found the uh, the Hulk and traced the uh, the uh, the logbooks back and found that this aircraft had been in all of the squadrons in Vietnam, um, uh, all the 34 squadrons in Vietnam, and uh, was also. Uh, on the first um, um, first landing off of the Iwo Jima in 1965, um, 
So, so it was like the first, uh, like in the, first in the country. Uh, yes, so to speak. So, I mean, so yeah. how how did that air yeah. how did that aircraft survive for, for survive right. all those? It, it just did, right? Well, it still had a lot of bullet holes in it, but it survived. Did, did you happen to have time <coughs> in that air in that particular helicopter? Do you know? You did yes. personally it was, uh, it, when it was in our squadron because I was the maintenance chief, <laughs> and when it was in our squadron, I I got to fly that's something. Wow. Yeah. How cool is that? So there's another yes. picture. Thank yeah, you that's for. that's over the Herder, Herder Bridge uh in in long island yeah um so in 1999 they they found the hulk out in 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 the boneyard i think i sent you a picture of that what it looked like when i yeah and um that's what it looks like in the museum i'll show you better pictures of that (laughs) yeah that's the rendering yeah that's the rendering yeah so we we're at the Tucson and and, and Al Weiss and the guys, three sixty one Restoration Association, uh, bought it for eleven thousand dollars and we trucked it back to uh, Long Island and um, put it in a potato barn uh, and uh, it took us three years twenty thousand man hours and three hundred thousand dollars to get it restored and flying and I did and and. Uh, and uh, Duber's father, Larry, and I did the first test flight on it um, wow. and in, in Long Island. He, he flew out from, from Iowa, and I came out from Jersey, and we did the very, very first test flight on it together. You remember, lifting, you remember lifting that thing into the air the first time? And oh, the, yeah. The, that's... Air, the rig was all off? Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, the flight control rig was off. <laughs> And yeah, yeah you I'll pulled tell up in the yeah. You tell it. You you were okay. there. Yeah. So tell yeah. us what happens so, when it, when the controls are out of rig. What's what's that? So <laughs> tell us what that looks like. So, you know, we, we both Larry and I had both been maintenance pilots, so we were very very meticulous and careful on on the pre flight. We went through every nut and bolt and and everything, and. Um, I got it turned up and went through all the the tests and make sure everything was absolutely perfect. And so Larry Larry had more hours than I, and he, he knew a lot more about that aircraft than I I will ever know uh, from his many years of flying it. So he he was the, he was the chief he was the, he was the hack. Uh, so he says, okay, this is what we're gonna do. He says, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up. Um, to 2,500 RPM, and just take it up light on, on take it up light on the struts and see if we have any vibration. Uh, um, of course, you don't want to go into ground residence if anything's out of whack. He says, and then I'll take it up into a very low hover, uh, and then and then if everything's okay, we'll we'll we'll, we'll go forward and and. Uh, <laughs> and and take take it around take it around for for flight for test flight wow. so we go through all of that and as he takes it up into the hover um i i, I you, you you've never met larry but he's he's uh, a large guy he's rather rotund and has 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 a very large belly so as we're taking it up into a hover um I, I noticed. I noticed. 
<laughs> he's got the stick all the way back in his belly and we're creeping forward. So, so, so he, he yells, you take it, you take it. <laughs> so he, he, he straps and he stands up so that the stick is between his legs. Oh Funny. And and I grabbed the aircraft and I'm and I'm flying. Oh my gosh. So we we take it up and around and, and he says, make sure you land very carefully because he's straddling. <laughs> Beautiful. And oh, um, that. so we take it out and, and I landed very carefully and he he's still got two balls and uh, God bless him. <laughs> and that was that was the very very first very first test flight. Oh my gosh. So is that Duber's holding up a picture? Is that you uh is that the aircraft itself landing at the museum there? Yes. Yeah, that was the day we brought it oh, down to the museum. How cool is that? Yeah. What hey when that when was, was yeah. that? What what year was that that did you guys that was uh October eighth, two thousand thirteen. See, I don't. So I was at the museum, and I think it was. I think I've got that one too. I think it was. Yeah. So I, I I've seen that helicopter then because it was after 2013 that I was there. No. Yeah, a lot of guys get promoted in front of it. You see it. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that have been promoted yeah. in the main atrium of the Marine Corps Museum. Um, that's awesome. And that's a with it right there and it's it's just such a neat uh you know display yeah, now the one i'm holding up here yeah. is, is that uh that was right out of the boneyard that's yeah. that's right that's what it looked like when we first got it so it's basically yeah. for the listeners yeah. it is a it's an h34 oh. hulk uh the engine's gone the rotors are gone the landing gear is gone the cockpit windows are all broken um it it <laughs> i can't think of anything more intimidating as a project to undertake to look at that and go, I'm going to make that a flying helicopter again. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. What a project. Um, it, it took a lot of, a uh, lot of luck yeah. and, and time and money. Uh, so we got it flying and, and, and uh, on its 50th birthday, we brought it down to the museum. I flew it down all the way with tears in my eyes because right. I had to give it up. It was my last flight. And um, uh, it, interesting side uh, story is uh, General Weiss, who was the uh, commanding officer of 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, which was the unit that I was in support of uh, the night that I, that I got hit. Um, uh, they had, 2-4 had invited me to one of their first reunions uh, as their honored guests. And... Um, I got to meet five of the eight medevacs that I pulled out that night and wow, their families. Yeah. Wow, wow. I was right. Um, and um, so they made me an honorary member of two, four, and they gave me the, the, uh, the Monica, the one eyed ugly bastard because the, they're known as the magnificent yes. bastards. So now I have to explain the difference between one-eyed ugly angel and one-eyed ugly bastard and, and try and tell people that, it, that both are very, very honorable <laughs> right. titles. That's... So, but anyhow, Gen General Weiss uh, was instrumental in getting the museum to let us donate that to the museum. So on that last flight to the museum, I had him come as, as, as a passenger and um, he was able to, uh, uh, to land with us and and uh, make that 
So it was that kind was of very special, kind of bringing it, you know, full scale from from Dido to 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 the wow. museum. So so wow, that's a that's an, another incredible story. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, the next time I go to the yeah. Marine Corps Museum, I, I'm going to stand in front of that helicopter and I'm going to know the whole story, how it got there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so anyhow, the, the, then the, the, the World Trade Center photo, I, I, I told you, I took uh, from Frank Flagg's right. aircraft uh, two weeks before the towers came down. That's just, that's crazy timing. That really is wow. beautiful. Wow, just beautiful. Well, Ben, we uh, we can't begin to thank you for uh, honoring us with your time this afternoon. We really, uh, we really appreciate it. I've, I have been looking forward to this for <laughs> weeks. Yes, have I. And I, and I'm so humbled and so honored to hear your stories firsthand. Thank you. Yeah. And when Gunny first started telling us the story, it never occurred to me that uh, you might be here to tell it to us in person and hearing it firsthand. So just fantastic. So, well, God has blessed you with a, a wonderful life, and uh, he has blessed all of us with uh, with men such as you who will uh, honor to write that blank check to this country and, and make it what it is. So thank you for that. Yeah, My pleasure. Dober, say give my love to your mom. Yeah, we'll do. Tell Arlene I said hello as well. And uh, as my dad used to call it, your albino crow or your, your white cockatoo. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's still there. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking thing cusses like a damn sailor. Yeah. Why does that albino. not shock me? He can't walk in the house without being verbally accosted by his damn albino crow. <laughs> I like that. Albino crow. I like oh, that. Oh, man. Why does that well, not that's... shock me? I know, right? <laughs> beautiful stuff oh man yeah well we've got a couple other thank yous we need to get out of the way as we land this plane uh thank you again for your service sir thank you duber for your service and for joining us today uh that's uh special thanks for hank thanks for hanging out duber yeah absolutely so thanks also to the man who helped us uh put all this together in the first place uh dave hamilton over at mac geek gab mac or mac geek gab the gig gab and the business brain great stuff uh we've got a glossary page if we've mentioned any acronyms today that we haven't told you what it stands for shoot us an email fig how do they get hold of you uh i'm at fig no fig at so there i was dot us right and i'm at repeat at so there i was dot us repeat is spelled r-e-p-e-t-e and there's also sticks at so there i was dot us our helicopter pilot here at so there i was you can follow us on rumble so there i was dot us slash rumble follow us on facebook at so there i was dot us slash facebook and if you can step up and help support the show become a pilot at patreon so there i was dot us slash patreon we have a special recording up there with brian shul aka punchy talking about how he got that call sign we didn't get that on the show but a a listener sent it in to us and is allowing us to share it with you. So if you can support the show, you can hear that story. Um, if you can't support us financially, that's okay. What you can do, you can share this show with all your friends. Share the Fo- show. Yeah. Share the show. Yeah. 
Go on Facebook, share the links to every week's show onto your own personal page and let other friends see it here. Listen to the cool stuff you're getting to listen to and that we're getting to listen to. Not that what we're doing is cool, but what we're getting to hear, that's really cool. So, um, yeah, we, we are super blessed in life to be able to bring this to you. And we appreciate all the help that every one of you does to uh, to help bring this, bring help us bring these stories to you easy for you to stay i meant what i knew <laughs> <laughs> who's that who's that uh, that uh what what am i hearing uh, uh, i don't know is there something going on in the background there oh well, i know what that is those are the two guys that make the air force sound good those are the dose gringos they make the air force sound good and they make us sound good because they let us use their music for the show and that's deeply appreciated gentlemen so thank you for your service thank you for your music and thank you for your senses of humor that's great stuff anyway i don't know i think we should get out of here and until next week everybody stay safe uh and as fig would say don't sit on the collective i'm gonna tell you don't let go of it don't let go of the collective (laughs) there we go crossing the pond and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing on that day now an F-16 is cramped enough but it's even worse with all that stuff supposed to save your life but we knew there was no way cause when you're going down the North Atlantic man it's over what is it Fig? It's over. I just want to tell you both, good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs>